Hey guys, joining me today is lifestyle entrepreneur and six-figure breakthrough coach Wei Hong. Aside from his degree in computer science and engineering, Wei is also a certified life coach, master neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, master practitioner of hypnotherapy, and master practitioner of mental and emotional release techniques. He is also a member of the Association for Integrative Psychology and Business Network International. Wei, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carolyn. It's good to be here. It's great to have you, Wei. I'm looking forward to discussing the most common limiting beliefs that stop us from hitting the six-figure mark in income. But before we do, please take a minute to fill in the gaps from that intro and tell us how did you get started on your journey. Yeah, I think with anybody who does coaching or consulting around a specific niche like mine, which is around money and personal empowerment, I mean, a lot of it probably stems from our own personal journey. I mean, that's probably one of the best ways to be able to guide somebody because you've navigated that journey yourself, right? Well, I mean, we can go as far back as junior high when I was trying to figure out what to do with myself when I found hypnotherapy in junior high, just kind of wanting to fix myself. But when it comes to money, I think the best way to talk about that is, you know, a lot of what we do is helping people re-engineer the bad money story. So my money story started when I grew up in a household where money was not allowed to be talked about. It was one of those households. It was a single income household. My dad made the money. My mom was the housewife and kids. Our only responsibility was to go to school. Wasn't We weren't allowed to talk about money. I wasn't allowed to ask my dad about money. I wasn't even allowed to talk about what my dad made doing his job, what to do with bills, any of that stuff. And so money was this kind of like this ether, you know, this like nebulous type of concept. Until one day my father realized, you know, I should probably teach my son a little bit something about money. And so he decided to teach me about money by getting me a credit card. <laughs> What drove him to decide to teach me by using a credit card is beyond me. But this is how he did it. He gave me the credit card and he said, this is for emergencies only. And that was it. That was the teaching. And in my mind, I was like going, okay, emergency. Now, without defining what that is, if you can imagine, a 12 and 13 year old's version of what emergency is, is vastly different from that of a 40 year old. Hmm, That's interesting. (laughs) Just a little bit, right? And he not only he said here, here's all that, you know, because every credit card comes with a bunch of booklets inside, Yep. <laughs> you know, to talk about APR and all these different things. So he said, read this. This will teach you about it. I'm like, OK. And that was my <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> that was my first <laughs> lessons around money. Yep. And so not having any previous type of understanding. I mean, I just threw what I observed. I observed what my parents could do with a credit card. I've seen them take it to the store, use it, and then acquire things. That's basically the extent of what I knew what a credit card was good for. So in my mind, I was like, okay, what's an emergency? What's an emergency? Well, my version of emergency was the fact that I went to my favorite comic book store and the first number one McFarlane Spider-Man series came out, collector's version, and I didn't have cash to buy it. And it was flying off the shelf. That, to me, at the time, was an emergency. I can definitely resonate with that. (laughs) Right? You know. But you collected comic books as well. Oh, Oh, yeah. I'm a Super, super nerd, yeah. (laughs) So I went up to the counter. And back then, credit cards wasn't used everywhere yet. It was mostly cash or checks still. And I just probably dated myself, but that's okay. Um, and, and what happened was I went up to the counter. I said, hey, I'd like to buy these comics. He goes, cash or check? It's like, I don't have any cash. I don't have a checkbook either. Uh, do you take credit card? And the guy looks at me and goes, no. And why do you even have a credit card? And so I said, I got to solve this problem because I'm a big problem solver, right? And so I remembered reading about cash advance. And I said, oh, 
that's what I could do. So I went over to the local ATM of my bank and I remember the pin and it was like magic. I put my credit card in, I punished the pin and all of a sudden all this money came out. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I was able to get the comic book, but then I was able to get more money out. And it seemed like it was like this magic treasure box of just money that whenever I needed, I could just go get it. And that in first month of me having that credit was one of, one of the most magical months in my life until the month came to an end okay. and my dad got the bill. <laughs> I come home and my dad's furious. I'm being punished. I'm being spanked. I'm being yelled at. I'm being lectured at. And it was so overwhelming. It got to a point where I couldn't listen anymore. And all I wanted to do was have the pain stop. And it did stop. The person that was dealing the pain actually was also the one responsible for stopping the pain. My dad, after he was done doing all that he could to impress on me how much of a mistake I had the whole first month, how much I didn't know how to use it properly, the credit card or money. He reached out his hand and said, give me your card, okay? You're not ready yet. I'll let you know when you're ready. In that moment, Little Way learned a very powerful lesson that when it comes to money, Little Way gets in trouble. And with that comes pain and punishment and lecture. And it isn't until when the money's gone or gets taken away or gets out, then all of a sudden, Little Way is safe. So if you fast forward years later, becoming an entrepreneur and everything like that, to kind of look at my financial journey, the ups and downs that I went through and everything, it made a lot of sense. It made a lot more sense than before, because before I got to understanding that this was my money story driving my financial decisions in my life, I just thought maybe I wasn't good at sales or maybe I wasn't good at business or maybe I wasn't good at making money. Even though I would go from zero to six figures, then back to zero again, zero to mid six figures, high six figures, then back to zero again. And even on track to make seven figures and would go back to zero again. You know, at one point I had like half a million sitting in my bank account and then 30 days later it was gone. And if you had asked me back then what happened to the money, I would have said, I don't know. But what I found out was this was that when money came into my life before I was able to realize that this story was running and be able to re-engineer that story, it would activate that story to say, get that money out. You're going to get in trouble. Get that money out. It's going to be painful. And a lot of people would say, well, wait, you're grown up now. How could you still run that story? Because we forget what my father or our parents represent in our lives growing up. He was more than just a guy who created all this pain and lecture and punishment. But my dad also represented home, family, love, safety. And why would I have any kind of pain trump that? Because that was what shaped the foundation of my youth growing up. And that's just one type of money story that you can have. So just to highlight the nuances, what happened technically is that you learned a painful lesson that day that if you want to be loved and accepted by your family and have this safe and secure foundation, then you have to get rid of money. Right. Money doesn't have a role in that or the reverse even, which is when there's money around, I get in trouble. Right. And there's pain involved with that. And there's fear involved with that. And there's anger involved with that. And there's guilt and hurt and all these different things and sadness. And so who wants that? That inner child growing up continued to run that program for a long time until I was able to realize that that's what was going on. That's what was creating my financial circumstances and my struggle in life in general when it comes to money and creating the lifestyle that I want. And it wasn't until I got that handle that I realized, hey, 
that's what the real reason was. It wasn't because I was bad at sales. It wasn't because I didn't know how to make money. It was simply because I had this deep, deep programmed story that gets activated every time money matters came up. And when I was able to navigate through that and eliminate that from my internal operating system, that's when I realized, I wonder how many other entrepreneurs or men or people in this world run a similar or even a different type of money story that is getting in the way of their success and their happiness. Yeah, this is very interesting because in my work, I came across guys with all sorts of limiting beliefs related to money, but yours is quite rare, you know, associating money with losing this secure connection, this secure attachment bond to your loved ones. So this is very powerful. But what I would like to ask you is how did you become aware of this particular limiting belief because I think that wasn't an easy task. It's very easy, you know, like, okay, so this happened to me, I have this story and now I understand this, but I know for a fact because I've done some work on myself and I've been working with all these people and I know it's so difficult to find, to identify, to become aware of these programs that play in the background of our mind at an unconscious level. So how did you find it? How did you discover it? Yeah, that's a great question, Kellen, because it is the journey of personal development. It is one of the things that drives me and gets me out of bed every single day is how do we help people get there faster? How do we get people to get to where they want to go and eliminate these challenges in their life faster? And how do we make it so that it's not so difficult, so challenging all the time? I think for me, it was because I went on this journey of trying to go endless workshops, endless seminars, coaches upon coaches. And every time I do, it reveals a little piece of the puzzle. And over the years, I've been just kind of painstakingly trying to figure out how to put these pieces together to give me the answer, a consistent, reliable answer on how to solve that issue. And what happened was a little piece here, a little piece there, and I took it all and put it together and said, you know what? There is a story, and not just from the money side of things, behind every limiting belief, we found there is an internal representation in our minds, a programming, a story, an event, or a set of circumstances that back up and support that limiting belief. And I said, well, if I could do this for other limiting beliefs, why not for money? And that's when I started to really kind of focus on developing this blueprint for re-engineering your bad money story. And yeah, you're right. It did take a long time. And the journey that I went through, I tell people all the time, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. I mean, being so broke and hungry that you can't eat for a week, I wouldn't want anybody to go through that. And so that's been a big part of what drives me to do what it is that I do today, because the trial and error process is, you know, there are days when I wonder how I even made it through all that and just putting it together. And then since I've been able to put it together, we've been able to help countless people navigate that in a more efficient way without having to go through decades of trying to figure things out. Right? Oh, yeah. I know. I've been through a similar process and I know it can take years and years to build this coherence, this internal understanding of the things that happened and impact your life, limit your world. And also after discovering them, there is still a very challenging work to actually be able to heal or remove these limiting beliefs. And now fast forward to today, I know that you help people break these limiting beliefs, create that level of income that they desire. And I want to ask you to share a little bit about your work, about the people that reach out to you, and a little bit about the process that you go through with them and the main struggles and challenges that people encounter in this process. 
Yeah, sure. There was a time in my life where I was working, I was a VP of business development and licensing for a very competitive and unforgiving industry. And I took the learnings out of that and started doing a lot of business consulting and coaching. And I was helping entrepreneurs and I would see what their potential was. And then I would help them get to maybe 80% of the way and they would be satisfied. They would be happy. They would say, oh, that's good. I'm great. I said, no, there's more. You're capable of so much more. I can see it. We've talked about this. It's no, you did a great job. We're good. And they stop. And I'm wondering what's going on. And it wasn't until I realized something. The underlying challenges, they would stop because it had something to do with finances. It had something to do with money. And what we found in the work that we do at the Six Figure Academy is that money if we help people resolve their challenges around money, repair their relationship with money, improve and make money the ally in their life, especially as entrepreneurs, that is literally the keys to the kingdom. I mean, think about it. If we can help entrepreneurs not have money be the reason why they make certain decisions on growing their business, what more could they possibly achieve then? They could achieve the dreams of what they want to do because most entrepreneurs are stymied and are bottlenecked by thinking they can't afford to do something or they have to make decisions based on whether or not they have enough money or whether or not they can make enough money. And if you think about it, it's like saying, I go to entrepreneurs all the time who are potential clients and students. I said, okay, if money was an object, what kind of decisions would you make for your business? What would you do for your business today? And you'd be surprised how different it is than what they're actually doing to their business and how much it that decision of using money as a reason why they're not making those decisions is slowing down the growth of their success. And so what we focus on is, you know, yeah, we help people resolve their challenges around money. We help people make more money. But that's just a small fraction of it. That's just the beginning. That's the gateway to open up the possibilities because we take it from the money, get rid of that money piece first. You know, and the reason why is this is that the University College of London, they did a study for 14,000 men and women, surveyed them and asked them about a variety of different topics, trying to find out what was like kind of man's last taboo. And they thought sex was going to be it. But they found only 2% of the 14,000 men and women really didn't want to talk about sex or uncomfortable talking about it. What they found, what surprised them, was they found that over 20% of the 14,000 men and women either refused or had trouble talking about their financial circumstance or the financials about money in general. It's extremely interesting. They determined that money is man's last taboo. So as an entrepreneur, if money is that taboo in your life, it will literally hold you back, not just from you making money in your business, but creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. Why you chose to be an entrepreneur is not just for the money, but to create a lifestyle. But if money is in the way, it's going to get away, not just from you making money, but also for get achieving that lifestyle that you want. So we are very much, like you said in the very beginning, is that we are very much an entrepreneurial lifestyle development coaching group more than just the money, even though our niche is around the money, anxiety, peace and stress and worry, that is just a small smidgen of what we do. We had a client that we made first time brand new millionaire and we were talking to her and she said, wait, I know you say we don't need to choose, but if I had to choose between the money and the lifestyle, the money is really, really good way. But I got to tell you, if I had to choose, and I know you say I don't have to choose, but if if I had to choose, I would definitely choose the lifestyle because Honestly, Wei, you've helped me achieve a lifestyle I never thought was possible. And now I have the lifestyle and the money to boot? Oh my goodness. It's incredible. So, Wei, what are the most common challenges and limiting beliefs that people have? And at what stage are they usually in their business when they come to you? 
So because we offer a variety of different services, anywhere from audio products to virtual products to one-on-one coaching, we I approached it that way so that we can help entrepreneurs at any level, whether it be startup or fully seasoned. But most of the challenges that they come with, it range anywhere from the sense of lack. You know, it's like, there's never enough. I never have enough money. There's also a belief system that making money is hard. And here's the funny thing about entrepreneurship is this is that if you go in expecting and believing that it's going to be hard and not in a good way that you're like not looking forward to it, then don't be an entrepreneur. It's really interesting when people I've literally talked people out of being entrepreneurs because I said, you don't want to be an entrepreneur. You are actually very skilled and very good at being focused on one thing. And you really don't really want to be an entrepreneur. You're actually better off getting an amazing job, helping maybe another entrepreneur or working in another corporation. It's not an easy thing. I mean, who wants to go out there, do what they do best, but also have to be responsible for it when everything goes bad, even if it's not your responsibility? That's what an entrepreneur is. So there is a big passion piece that needs to be in place so that if you look at that, so what we do is we go there and say, okay, are you sure you want to be an entrepreneur? And we shift their mindset and say, okay, this is what happens when every entrepreneur comes on board. Every entrepreneur comes on board as a wantrepreneur. Nobody starts off as an entrepreneur. Even if you've been an entrepreneur for years, nobody starts off right off the bat as an entrepreneur. Why? Because you're going to have to figure things out in your business. You start off as a wantrepreneur. The true mark of an entrepreneur is when the entrepreneur starts to create more freedom in their life as they become more successful. The entrepreneur that continues to work harder and harder and harder and fears growth because they'll have to work harder is only a wantrepreneur at that moment. That's a very, very valuable distinction. Thank you for that. There's a couple of, you know, the lack, the making money is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. You know, you have to work on your weaknesses when that's really not the case. Entrepreneurship, true entrepreneurship is all about delegation and staying in your strength and you're surrounding yourself with people who are stronger in your areas that you're weak. There's a lot of different areas that people use money as an excuse, but money is really doesn't money doesn't care doesn't care if you blame it for everything on the planet because it won't blame you back. It won't stand up and get angry. It just takes it all, right? And that's why people use money as scapegoats all the time. When I talk about relationships and how, you know, that statistic that says the number one reason why relationships fail is due to money and everything like that, I think it's a bunch of hogwash because money is really just a scapegoat for other things deeper. What we found in entrepreneurs who have relationships and are challenged financially, we found that when we took the money challenges away, the real problems show up. And it has nothing to do with money. Money is just an easy scapegoat to make it easy for people to call it quits. It's like, oh, we just couldn't get resolved our money challenges. This is no, you guys just weren't communicating. You guys weren't honoring each other's values in life. And it was more than just money guaranteed. I agree. I agree. But I want to bring forth a very delicate issue. What happens with the entrepreneurs who are in the early stages and they literally struggle? I mean, they objectively do not have the resources that they need to grow. What happens there and how does a shift in their mindset impact this so-called objective world that they're living in at that moment? That's a really good question. So here we are talking about limiting beliefs, right? So when someone perceives that they don't have the resources necessary to grow, that is a chosen perception. As a chosen perception to justify a belief that they're not going to make it or what somebody else said. So they're trying to validate that. 
Right. They're looking for a way to validate. And here's what's so amazing about human beings is that whatever we're looking for to prove, we will find it. We are some of the most amazing beings on the planet. Some of the smartest, I think probably the smartest animals on the planet. And we will, I mean, if you look at all these different studies that come out that prove coffee is good, that prove coffee is bad, prove eggs are good, prove eggs are bad, you know, and you'll have two different contradicting reports that say, yes, it's great for you. Yes, this will kill you. And it's the same thing, right? And so here's the thing is that as human beings, we can't help but be skewed. And so the world is what we perceive it and want it to be. And if we choose to make it a struggle, then we will find ways to make it a struggle. And then you have people like Sir Richard Branson, who starts with nothing, completely dyslexic, has, you know, everything going against him to not be successful. And yet he finds a way, works out from the back of a car, works illegally out of uh, some rundown building and builds a whole entire printing company. out. Of, you know, if you look at these stories that people have done and you kind of see read in between the lines. Like you said, it's the mindset piece. It's the perception piece. It's like, do you truly believe you don't have the resources or are you so prideful and egotistical you're just not willing to tap into them? It's so amazing how unwilling people are wanting to go to ask their friends and family for a little bit of help in the beginning if they believe truly that their business had something good to offer. Why would you not include your friends and family in that journey? But because they didn't want to be embarrassed, because they want to feel like they were begging. If you're passionate, if you truly believe in what you're here to do and the gifts that you have to offer, there is absolutely nothing you would not be willing to do. It's really kind of like what I talk about with my students and clients. I said, okay, we all know about your friends and family and your kids and you're willing to take a bullet for them, you know, kind of stop a car or take the hit for them. But what about the people that you're here to impact and serve with your business? Okay, with your gifts. What are you willing to take a bullet for when it comes to your clients, your customers? And if you don't have an answer for that, then I would challenge you really think about whether or not you truly want to be an entrepreneur. Instead of using money as an excuse or lack of resource as an excuse. And because here's the thing is that if you offer a product or service and you don't have the lack of, re then go door to door, go knock on doors, go pound the pavement, go make it happen any way you can. And if you're not willing to do that, then that just tells me that you're not really serious about making it as an entrepreneur. You're just looking for excuses to not do what it takes. This is why as a breakthrough coach, I could be a little bit more confrontational because I don't have time to mess on people who aren't willing to breach that wall that's necessary for them to really serve in a big way, to really give in a big way on this planet in this lifetime. Absolutely. Being an entrepreneur is about identifying and solving a problem for someone. So technically speaking, if you're an entrepreneur, then you're serving someone, you're serving your niche. And you have to have willpower, determination, and these types of characteristics in order to succeed. And I would like to add a couple of things to what you said. So one of them is that high performers, high achievers are constantly leaning into their edge. You know, you're not supposed to feel comfortable. So I learned that the hard way. Because a few years ago, I was the guy that said, yeah, sure, I mean, I'm all in, I'm playing full out, I'm not holding anything back. But when things started to become very complicated, I had this very interesting mindset that my program kept telling me that, you know, you're probably not the guy to do that, it's probably not a good fit for you, and, you know, imposter syndrome and things like that. And I would simply say, you know what, it's probably not for me. I mean, people who are in this niche or people who are creating this or that, they're so different from me, it's obvious. I should just accept the simple and obvious truth that it's not for me and that wasn't true 
The only thing that was true was that I thought that I was supposed to feel comfortable. And when one of my coaches told me that the only difference between where he is or was at that point in his business and where I was is that he's more willing than I am to become uncomfortable, yeah, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. So that was, you know, probably the best piece of advice that I've ever received. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. This is what I tell people all the time when they're entrepreneurs is be ready. Be ready to shift your perception of what comfort is. You eventually want to find comfort in discomfort. You know, they, they talk about the agility of entrepreneurship is much like it's the difference between like a Boeing 747 and like a military jet plane. The military jet planes are designed and built to be unstable by nature. That's how they can make those quick, fast turns because they're just they're slightly off all the time. In fact, without the jet propulsion, they can barely glide, you know, as planes versus a Boeing 747, which is like, you know, if the engines die, it's still floating and gliding, you know, in whatever the case may be. And it's slow to move because it's it's designed and built to be as stable as possible. And eventually, yeah, potentially you can get your business to that point. But in the beginning, everybody starts off as that jet plane. In order for you to make it, you got to have that level of agility and be able to be comfortable in that discomfort. Exactly. And the other thing that I wanted to add has to do with being able to see, to notice opportunities around you. I think this is very important in an entrepreneurial mindset because I used to have a limiting belief I know you know this way and some of my listeners uh, do as well, but for maybe for those who don't, I have a background in psychotherapy. So I've served that saved the children and also I had my own psychotherapy practice. And people reach out to you there, especially if they have a mental illness. You know, they have to. So if you have that sort of problem, you're probably searching for a good therapist and it's easy or so it seems. But if you want to build a coaching business, that's a whole different story or that was what I used to believe. I said, okay, it's very difficult to find coaching clients, things like that, that aren't actually true because I learned to notice that clients are literally everywhere. It has to do with my perception, with the way I observe, with the way I interpret the things that I see. So I learned to create powerful conversations with people that I wouldn't have normally noticed before. So it was quite incredible. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when it comes to the prosperity work and understanding how prosperity and abundance work is that it's like sitting in the middle of the ocean and complaining that there's no water, right? That's kind of what we've done for ourselves. Society has basically, you know, helped create this perception that there's a limitation around us in terms of what we have access to. And we forget that we are our own creators of our own realities in our minds. And that's how you can look at one person and say, well, what's the difference between me and him? We just look at the world differently. We perceive it differently. We have different types of, we're making different choices. It doesn't mean that someone's smarter or not as smart or has better circumstances or better resources. All that stuff is created. It's kind of like my office is a block from where I live, right? So my commute is literally just a half a block walk. And people, you know, it's so funny. People say all the time, it's like, oh my God, you're so lucky. I was like, luck has nothing to do with it. Luck is created. You know, I chose this office. I chose to live where I live. I chose to do what I do. And as such, the circumstances has now unfolded that I have zero commute and I can choose to work by simply walking to the office or just working from home. But at least I have that convenience. Yeah, absolutely. Way we could keep going and going for hours <laughs> with these yeah. topics. 
Sure. Before jumping into the fire round of the show, I would like to ask you to share with the audience one or two success stories where people who had these powerful limiting beliefs about what's possible, people who had this scarcity mindset were able to create a powerful shift in their lives and began to see an opportunity. Because I know it really helped me when I heard these types of stories. Yeah, so there's one story of a client who was uh, in the holistic healing arena niche and you know older than me and she had spent probably a better part of the last 15 20 years trying to build a business and you know made just enough to get by and was doing okay and was racked with a lot of anxiety around money and stress and made almost all of her decisions around that we did a lot of the work in which we got to the root story and we interrupted the pattern and we rehashed it and released all the emotional baggage around it and continued to push her forward and had her take the actions that were slightly uncomfortable but not so uncomfortable that it would stop her and in the course of about a year or so we had her start to make five figures a month making more money than she's ever made in the lifetime of her business literally she made more money in one year than she ever made the entire lifetime of the business and it wasn't because we did anything magical or anything we just shifted and released what was holding her back in terms of what she believed how money worked and had her realize that. I would like to jump in real quick, if I may. This is the first time in this conversation where I do not agree with you. You said that there wasn't something magical there. I believe that coaching is magic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I have a couple of my clients call me the magician, so I'm like, I just kind of blow it off. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, it's because. <laughs> It was funny because I was at a networking meeting with one of my clients. Someone was asking her, like, so what does Wade do? He says, he's just a magician. It's it's hard to explain. <laughs> just you just gotta you just gotta go experience him. Which isn't great for referrals because nobody gets referrals says, I'm looking for a magician. I know. Does anybody have a referral? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, so yes, I, I may have misspoke there, but I think it's just a function, you know, and honoring the fact that yes, I've been called that you probably have as well. Yeah, you're right. There is something absolutely magical because we're actually doing relevant real work and getting real results. Whereas, you know, the challenge out there in the coaching industry, cause it's so vastly unregulated that sometimes people get away with not getting results and then putting the responsibility completely on the client, which is a whole nother soapbox that we don't need to get into today, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I appreciate that correction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing that story, Way. I know a lot of the guys listening and the people listening out there will resonate with it, definitely. I mean, I know I do. I mean, we have you know, multimillionaires that come to get services. So we had one client, she was a multimillionaire. She comes into the office and says, Way. I have a really successful business, I think, financially anyway, you know, a few million a year. I have a great lifestyle. I have, you know, great family, kids and everything like that. Yet here I am darkening your doorway. Please tell me why. I said, because you realize money isn't the definition of success, having lots of it. She goes, you're probably right. I have money anxiety. She was making a lot of money and she was still having money anxiety, which was, you know, something that I forgot to bring out is that money anxiety exists. Stress and worry exists around money, whether or not you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. So if you realize you have it now before, and that actually becomes more and more insidious the more money you make. So what was fascinating working with her is that we actually tripled her revenue after we eliminated the anxiety around money and stress and everything and worked on all areas and helped her create 
a lifestyle that best better reflected her definition of what success is, not what society deemed as success, but what she defined in her own world, in her own lifetime, what success truly, truly is, which is more than just about the money. Okay. <laughs> That's very interesting. I mean, you know, the part where you said that the more money you have, the more anxiety you have around it, or that may be the case. If you have anxiety going into making a lot of money, yeah. It's very interesting. So the anxiety doesn't go away. Nope. So you got to handle it. Otherwise, it comes back and bites you in the butt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't want that, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Way, as we are reaching the final part of the show, I would now like to ask you a few personal questions that will give the audience invaluable pieces of wisdom to help them on their journey. So are you ready for the fire round? I'm ready. All right. Here's the first question. If you were to recommend one book that every man must read, what would it be and why? You know, I'm pretty sure someone has already recommended the David Data books and series and stuff like that. You know, for me, what I found when I recommend The Power of Full Engagement by Jim Lehrer, that's L-O-E-H-R, that has come back to me so many times that people said, Way, that book you recommended to me was a game changer. And I absolutely agree. It's all about understanding how to scientifically manage your energy, which is really kind of your fuel as an entrepreneur. If you don't have enough energy, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you're not going to be able to move forward. And that book is really good. And the writers, they used to be consultants for pro athletes. And then they found out that the people who needed more were the corporate athletes, were the people who were in the working force that didn't have months and months of downtime, off time to recover. So how do they manage their energy? They developed this approach of helping people who are corporate athletes or entrepreneurs manage their energy levels in a way so that they can become more successful and be able to kind of like survive the trials and tribulations of hard work and make it not so hard anymore. So, yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah. David Data, I mean, like the guy's regular on the show or something. <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah. So that's definitely a classic and it's uh, highly recommended on the show. And also, I wanted to tell you that, no, I didn't know about this book. I will definitely read it and get back to you with feedback. So thank you for that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. If you had the opportunity to talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give him? What would you tell him to do differently? I would tell him to be kinder to himself. One of the common side effects of being, you know, focusing on high performance and wanting to be successful and wanting to get to where you want to go fast is we're often very, uh, we're relentless, not so much to the people around us, but it might spill over to that if we are relentlessly pushing and unforgiving to ourselves. And that forgiveness piece, that self-forgiveness piece is such a powerful way for us as whether you're an entrepreneur or not, but just as human beings to be able to kind of like blossom in a way and step into adulthood more effectively. When we're not forgiving to ourselves, we actually stunt our inner child's growth, which then impacts our level of maturity of being successful in this lifetime. This awareness piece is a willingness to embrace and honor thyself. And to know thyself, it actually gets in the way with all of that. And so part of a lot of what we do with our clients is we implement a very integral self-forgiveness protocol 
that is necessary when you're looking to evolve and grow because you know your previous self is not going to be happy with the new self and then there's going to be a clash inside which then you don't need that anyway because there's enough clashing on going outside in the world around you we don't need that clash inside as well so i think one of the things i would tell my 20 year old self is like hey you know whatever you're going to go through enjoy it and be kind to yourself you know be willing to love yourself and honor yourself for whatever trips and trials and tribulations that you go through. I think I probably spent half my life beating myself up for making poor decisions, bad decisions, or thinking that and perceiving it to be that way. I love it. You shared one of the most important pillars in a personal growth process, in a healing process. It's very well said. Thank you. Thank you, Wei. All right. And for the last question, I would like to ask you to share a piece of advice that your father never got to tell you, or maybe he didn't know about being a man in today's world. I'm talking about information or advice that would have changed everything in your adult life. Information or advice that you would be sure to share with the future generations. Uh, so many. <laughs> I think one of the, there's a couple actually. I think vulnerability is one thing that is so powerful. I mean, Dan Millman said it best. He goes, you know, the strength of a warrior is not from invincibility, but his absolute vulnerability. The fact that, you know, I mean, if Achilles was willing to embrace that, yes, he did have a weakness, it would probably have been easier for his entire following and army to help protect that heel of his, which leads into the other piece, which is my father insists on doing everything himself, insisted on everything in our house and as such, which is great because now I know how to lay hardwood floors, fix plumbing, do electricity, work on cars, fix everything in the house because you never thought about hiring someone who was better. And I think one of the biggest pieces that was challenging for me as an entrepreneur is being able to honor the gifts and strengths of others and not have to be the smartest guy in the room, you know, because success is a team sport, as I always say. And to do that, you have to be able to honor other people's gifts and strengths, support them in that. And that's the true mark of a great leader, which is saying, hey, this is what I'm good at, but I don't, I'm not good at this part. And let me delegate this to you because this is what you're amazing at. And I want to honor you for that and give you the possibility to continue to do that and be able to delegate and not have to do everything yourself. I love it. I love it. All right. This has been great, Way. And before we say goodbye, I would like to invite you to tell us about the projects that currently excite you. And also, where can people find you? Yeah, so there's the newest company that I'm launching. So now I have three separate companies I'm working on. One's a digital marketing company. The other one is the Six Figure Academy. But this newer one is called HumanOp, which is human optimization technologies, which is what I believe is the holy grail of personal development. It's a objective, patented human assessment technology that truly allows us to be able to give people their unique operating manuals of life. You know, if we ever wondered, why can I just be able to kind of grow up and just have an operating man telling me what I am and how I am so that I don't have to guess and trial and error through life. This is what this company is all about and what we've been able to do for a really long time now. It's pretty amazing. So that's the current new project that I'm working on. And, you know, when it comes to money, I do have a digital book out there that I encourage, you know, your listeners to take advantage of. It's free and it's called From Money Anxiety to Six Figure Mastery. And where they can get that is they can go to go.thesixfigureacademy.com 
http colon forward slash role change go dot the six figure academy dot com and what they can do is they can download it from there and also get included in this five part e-series that goes really deep into a lot of what i was talking about into helping people resolve their money challenges and then from there they can you know be able to connect on all the different types of free content that i have out there and if they want to take it to a deeper level they can but at least that way we can be connected get to know each other and really give me an opportunity to share all the things that i've been able to go through so that whoever wants to doesn't have to go through what maybe you and i went through to try to figure ourselves out right? oh yeah oh yeah that's priceless <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so so yeah I, I like to offer that as a gift to your listeners and everything and all you have to do is just go and go dot the six figureacademy.com thank you thank you so much i'll be sure to leave the link in the show notes all right Way, thanks again for joining us today. And I hope to have you again on the Mesh Journey Today podcast in the future. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. It was my pleasure. Guys, till next time. Take care.